Weird Hollywood for smart people for Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. I'm Nico. I'm your host, talking movies, television, music, and so much more in a way that smart people can enjoy them in the new year. The new decade, in fact. New decade. Same old shitty podcast. Welcome to the party, y'all. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Uh, first show in what, like three weeks? I didn't do anything over the holidays. I mean, there wasn't much news in the world of Hollywood and entertainment and pop culture over the holidays, but now we're back and I've just got a war chest like the United States military this week. <laughs> Just a plethora of weapons aimed and ready to fire into your ear holes. Um, <laughs> let's um, let's forget about the fact that we're on the brink of World War Three just for an hour. You and I, let's spend some time together, put our troubles aside and worry about the little things in life, the joyous things like the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the 77th annual Golden Globe Awards, which I have a bone to pick with this week. I have several bones to pick with it. You know, man, I do this every fucking year, don't I? I hate that I do this. I hate this about myself. And I thought like last year I had a sort of healthy perspective on matters. I had removed myself enough from the process to just laugh at these things. I remember when Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Drama and Best Comedy last year, I I found it quite amusing. Obviously, those two movies weren't anywhere close to the best of the year last year, but I just found the absurdity and the chaos so goddamn pleasurable. Because (laughs) the second you go on Twitter, you know that film nerds are going to lose their shit, and I like when any nerds lose their shit on social media. Um, This year, I was not part of that solution, I was part of the problem. I was yet another film nerd on Twitter ranting about the best director category at the Golden Globes. And look, man, maybe uh, it's just that I'm too close to these people. I have too much of an emotional investment to the nominees. And I like really loved this year of movies. And I want the Oscars and the Globes and the SAGs to recognize this year as such. But man, the old Nico came back this week in full force. The Nico who at age 12 used to watch the Oscars with hope and optimism, believing that the process was fair and just. And that Nico came back when the Best Director Award was presented at the Golden Globes. And nowhere in sight was the mature, hardened, cynical Nico who no longer takes these things seriously. He's back. Here's my point, man. Here's all I want to say about this. I I will say, in general, the Golden Globes were fairly amusing this year. And I always enjoy the Golden Globes, especially when Ricky Gervais is the host. I thought Ricky just did an iconic job hosting this year. And it was the type of MC I don't think I've ever seen before at any event ever. Whether it's an award show or a sporting event or a game show or a reality show or New Year's Rock and Eve. I have never seen a guy with such disdain for the show he was hosting. And I don't think like you can necessarily repeat that act every year. But for one year, saying fuck off to every celebrity in the room works for me. 
it works. <laughs> I just adored it. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's ever going to do it again. And look, you can debate his politics or debate the politics of any of the nominees, whether or not it should have been a political show, not a political show. Like, that just doesn't matter to me. I, I just find Ricky's persona to be so unique and special. And I yearn for the cojones that that man has. You know? <laughs> I just, I yearn for the confidence to be able to go on a Hollywood stage in front of 20 million people and make a joke about Judy Dench's asshole. <laughs> Anyway, uh, look, why are we inviting Martin Scorsese here to sit in the front row and not give an acceptance speech? You know, why is Martin Scorsese here if you're not going to give the Irishman a single fucking award? This is what bothers me. Don't invite Carrie to the prom just to dump pig's blood on her head. It ain't cool because most likely she's going to kill you all in a fiery blaze. That's what I wanted Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro to do on Sunday night as they sat in the front row like Statler and Waldorf watching Sam Mendes accept the award for best director. Drives me just nuts, man. In a special year for film. It has truly been a special year. Adam and I just did a podcast recapping our 10 favorite movies of 2019. And it was one of the most incredible top 10 lists I've done this decade. I would say it's the best year of the decade. Could be the best movie year of the century. That's how strong Hollywood was this year. And you're going to give the award to the director of American Beauty. What the flying fuck. And look, man, I haven't seen 1917 yet. That's a big disclaimer. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't gone wide yet. It's not my fault. I would have seen 1917 by now, but these assholes won't put it in the theater until Oscar season. So like you, I have not seen 1917, and I will withhold judgment of that film until I see it. But I have a hard time believing it's better than The Irishman. I have a hard time believing it's better than Marriage Story. I have a hard time believing it's better than Parasite. I have a hard time believing it's better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If it is, well then look out people, we have another classic on our hands. We have another Saving Private Ryan, another Apocalypse Now, another Platoon, all-time great war movie, if it is truly deserving of Best Picture. Color me cynical? I don't think it is. Again, just my gut. Because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences don't have the most pristine record when it comes to declaring classics classics. You know? They don't necessarily have an unblemished track record. Here's my gut. 1917 is totally fine. And I imagine I will like it well enough when I see it this weekend. But the award for best director is more likely than not a reflection of the cinematography and not the direction. Roger Deakins, behind the camera, one of the all-time great cinematographers, shooting this thing in a single take, an incredible technical achievement, an incredible work of beauty. I'm sure this movie looks like a million bucks. But Oscar voters... And HFPA voters 
have a tendency to conflate cinematography and to conflate technical achievement with direction. And they're easily impressed by movies like The Revenant, Birdman, La La Land, Shape of Water, Roma. The movie that looks the best, the movie that is hardest to shoot. That's the movie they tend to give the shiny trophy to. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 1917 has an incredible script. Maybe the dialogue is amongst the best dialogue Sam Mendes has ever done. Maybe the acting is worthy of multiple awards. Maybe. I just have a hard time believing that's true. I have a hard time believing that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association was not distracted by Roger Deakins cinematography, was not distracted by the one-take gimmick, was not distracted by the spectacle of that film. And also, it's a war movie set in World War I. And you know how much Oscar voters eat that shit up with a silver spoon. I don't want to hate this movie going into it. This is all very arbitrary and silly and wrong. You know, I don't like to do this. It's not right to vilify a movie just because it's up for some shiny trophies. It's all very reductive, and I apologize for that. I'm just so attached to Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino. I think that's my problem. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still won Best Comedy on Sunday night. I should be thrilled about that. My favorite movie of the year. One Best Comedy is now the presumptive frontrunner for Best Picture at the Oscars. That's great news. But like six of the last seven Golden Globe winners in the director category end up winning Best Director at the Oscars. And if you win Best Director at the Oscars, more likely than not, you're going to win Best Picture too. And it feels that's what we're heading towards. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. Maybe this was an anomaly. Maybe these 97 voters in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association liked 1917 more than the average Academy voter. I just think we're going to do this again, and I can't believe we're going to do this again. I can't believe we're going to do this again with Sam Mendes, the guy who wins Best Picture and Best Director in 1999 for American Beauty, beating out Fight Club and The Matrix and The Sixth Sense, and The Blair Witch Project, and The Insider, and Election. One of the great movie years of all time, and I would say uh, the 30th best movie of that year, wins Best Picture. Sam Mendes wins Best Director because he puts a plastic bag in front of a ceiling fan and calls it art. (laughs) we're doing it again I can't believe they're doing it again wow every year I have faith in this process and every year they let me down but this year feels especially personal because you're doing it to Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino we were promised an incredible Oscar race we were promised Scorsese versus Tarantino versus Bombach versus Bong Joon-ho Wow, what a slate. Greta Gerwig too. Why is she not in the mix? This has been one of the most incredible film years of my life with big names right at the center of it. 
We were going to spend the next three months reflecting on the career of Martin Scorsese, reflecting on the career of Quentin Tarantino, and finding a place for the Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that legacy. But no, we got to give it to Sam Mendes again. <sighs> Another war movie. Shot by Roger Deakins. Single take. How do they do it? The Oscar nominations haven't even been announced yet, and I'm already triggered. Can you believe that? <laughs> I'm already losing my mind. What a bummer, man. What a bummer that was. All right, let's go down the list here. Um, I don't really want to talk about the television awards. However, I thought this was actually one of the better years for the Golden Globe Television Awards. Because like usually they just give it to some random Netflix or Hulu show that paid them off. That's what always happens. The Golden Globes, here's the thing. Um, the Golden Globes rarely care about movies, but never care about television. What they're interested in is like someone like Rami Youssef going to their luncheons and kissing their rings and perhaps slipping them a $100 bill. That's how this works. And they like to make a statement with their television winners. They very rarely give best drama or best comedy to a returning television show. And it's like third or fourth season. They almost always give it to a new show because they want to be the first to the party. Um, That didn't happen this year. The winners of best drama and best comedy were Succession and Fleabag, both in their second seasons. I thought the two best shows of the year. I actually don't think it's close. Those are the two shows I would give the award to, and they just got it right. So good job by you. Golden Globes, you did pretty well in the television categories. Brian Cox takes home best actor. Olivia Coleman takes home best actress. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Michelle Williams. Chernobyl took home best miniseries. Yeah, okay. I was expecting this to be a, a big morning show party. That's what I was expecting. Like, I thought Apple had put enough money into the morning show for your consideration campaign for the Golden Globe voters to take notice. But they didn't. They resisted the temptation to give Jennifer Aniston best actress. They resisted the temptation to give uh, Steve Carell best actor or the morning show best drama. So, yeah, I'm happy about this. Um... In the film category, on the other hand, <laughs> let's just go down the list here. Uh, best foreign language film, Parasite, makes total sense. Best animated feature, a-, a movie called Missing Link, which I recall being produced by LeBron James, but that's the only thing I remember about it. Uh, I don't think that movie was very good, if reviews are to be believed, but there you go. It beats out Toy Story 4 for best animated film. That category, a clusterfuck as always. Uh, Elton John and Bernie Taupin take home best original song, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Apparently that's the first time Elton and Bernie have accepted an award together. I doubt that is the case. Pretty sure Elton is mistaken on that. But regardless, congratulations to them. That was nice to see some famous people. Uh, And (laughs) Beyonce just shows up for nothing, huh? Beyonce and Jay-Z make a scene in the back row for no reason. They should have just stayed home. Best original score goes to Hilder Guntator uh, for Joker. 
very well. Pretty good score in Joker. If I were to give Joker any award this season, I would give it best original score, I think. Even though I, I liked the Randy Newman score in Marriage Story and the Alexandra Desplat little women score better. I don't know. That's just my thought on that. Best screenplay goes to Quentin Tarantino because best screenplay always goes to Quentin Tarantino. Beats out Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. Beats out Steve Zalian for The Irishman. I would say the chances at best picture for those other two movies are close to zero after Sunday night's festivities. Zero awards for The Irishman. Only one award for Marriage Story. I guess Quentin's just going to win best screenplay again, which I'm happy about because, again, that's my favorite movie of the year, but also kind of feels like the token award they always give to Tarantino. You know what I mean? It's like they see his name on the ballot. They think Quentin Tarantino, best screenwriter of his generation. Here's another trophy. And then they don't actually consider him for best director or best picture. Maybe I'm being too cynical about this, but I was actually more frustrated that he won that award and lost the other than if he had just won nothing. That's a weird way of thinking about it, and I'm sure he doesn't think about it that way. But I see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as more of a masterwork of direction than a masterwork of screenwriting. So it kind of shows a lack of critical thinking on the part of the HFPA. They're just like, yeah, Quentin made another movie, and it's good, so it must be a good script. Not taking into consideration the work he did with the actors, or the blocking, or the cinematography, or the music supervision. Shot selection. Sense of atmosphere. Eh, whatever. Laura Dern wins Best Supporting Actress for Marriage Story, the only trophy Marriage Story took home that night. In fact, the only trophy Netflix took home that night. And, you know, it's becoming hard to deny that Hollywood is out to get Netflix. It's becoming hard to deny. Last year, when Roma didn't win Best Picture, I sort of overlooked the Netflix narrative. Not anymore. This is old Hollywood scoffing at this young tech company and saying, get out of our clubhouse. How else do you explain Netflix leading the Golden Globes in nominations and taking home just one award? It's crazy. And it's not just Marriage Story. It's not just The Irishman. It's movies like The Two Popes. Dolomite is my name. And in the television categories, shows like Unbelievable. Russian Doll. Living with Yourself. All of these shows had nominations at the Globes. None of them take home a single award. Just Laura Dern, the exception to every rule. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I, man, if I'm Netflix, I spent $175 million on The Irishman. Uh, I don't know how much they spent on Marriage Story. I would think somewhere between 20 and 30 million to just get one award out of it they have spent more money more time and more energy chasing this trophy than any other studio ever i mean this is a big thing for their portfolio they believe that taking home best picture at the oscars will legitimize their streaming service will legitimize their studio presence they just can't get it done Maybe I will be proven wrong at the Oscars, but I don't think that's the case, man. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a traditional studio movie, 1917, a traditional studio movie, had big nights. 
And even movies like Joker, Judy, Rocket Man. Like, that is a sign, not necessarily that studios are doing well at the box office, but that they're doing very well with award voters. I don't think Hollywood is quite ready for that transition yet. And it's so weird to say, considering that Martin Scorsese has made two Netflix projects. Noah Baumbach has made two Netflix projects. It's just so strange. They're not ready to cede power. They are not ready to give up on the theater-going process. They are not ready to give up studio dominance. But Netflix continues to try. Good luck to them, I suppose. Aquafina takes home Best Actress in a Comedy. Taron Edgerton takes home Best Actor in a Comedy, beating out Leo DiCaprio and Eddie Murphy. Uh, I actually picked Eddie in my pool. Um, I didn't do a pool, actually. I just I just tweeted out some picks. It was an atrocious night. I went like 10 for 26 or something. It was awful. Um... But Eddie has been out there on the campaign trail, just shaking hands and kissing babies, bringing back Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood and Velvet Jones on SNL. You know that's what all this was about. I would say him and J-Lo are lobbying for these awards stronger than anyone else this year. Uh, I know Taron Edgerton was out there at the Golden Globe luncheons. I know Renee Zellweger has been around but J-Lo and Eddie Murphy, I would say the two hardest campaigners, both leave the Globe Sunday night without a trophy, and I felt uh, actually quite bad for both of them. I gotta be honest with you. I thought Laura Dern in Marriage Story was way better than J-Lo in Hustlers, but like she's doing the Super Bowl halftime show in a few weeks. She was on Saturday Night Live last month. She wants this, man. She's bringing A-Rod around with her as, as arm candy. Those two are working, man. They are putting in the man hours. Neither of them win. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, Brad Pitt wins Best Supporting Actor, beating out Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. Perhaps the most stacked supporting actor category I've ever seen. Um, Yeah, this seems like an inevitability at this point. I was hoping Pesci could maybe have some dark horse potential but then I saw he didn't show up last night and really he is the big winner in all of this Joe Pesci who just stayed home (laughs) so Brad is going to take home his first Oscar and good for him I guess Renee Zellweger wins best actress for Judy a movie I have not seen yet a biopic about Judy Garland beating out Cynthia Erivo Scarlett Johansson Charlize Theron and Saoirse Ronan, what is up with this category? What is up with this random ass category? I don't get it. Every year this happens. A movie comes out that no one sees, does poorly at the box office, critics don't even seem to like it, but it stars a famous woman and every Oscar voter just agrees. Yeah, best performance of the year. We don't even have to talk about it. No contest. Best Actress is never a tight race. Best Actor often has some surprises. Often comes down to the wire. One guy wins a few awards, another guy wins a couple other awards, and it's a mystery on Oscar night. That never happens with Best Actress. Last year, the rare exception. 
Olivia Coleman wins for the favorite out of nowhere. But Glenn Close was the favorite for that award all year. No one saw the wife. I still don't know the plot of the wife. But everyone just agreed, yeah, she's Glenn Close. It's over. Renee Zellweger, no one saw Judy. I guarantee you, maybe 80% of the HFPA has seen Judy. No one has any idea how good this performance is. I'll tell you when else this happened. Uh, What was it, like 2013? Julianne Moore wins for Still Alice? Remember how bizarre that was? Still Alice? About some woman with Alzheimer's? She's Julianne Moore. She's got to win it. So weird. It's so weird to me. No one has seen Judy. No one is going to see Judy. I haven't heard any rave reviews for Judy. Renee Zellweger has been out of the public eye for like 15 years. She has an Oscar already. And it seems like it's a wrap. This was a wrap back in October. Everyone was like, yeah, it's her Oscar to lose. What? And then you see that speech and you're like, why are we doing this? What is Renee Zellweger doing here with her weird plastic surgery? Slurring her words for five minutes. Go away. Go away, Renee. I always think when I hear Renee Zellweger's name, I think of the Family Guy joke where I, I think they make her into an anteater, right? They like give her like a long tongue. <sighs> what a strange blast from the past. And then she like starts the speech like, yeah, nice seeing y'all after 20 years. Turns out I'm still alive and I'm still acting. Whatever. Uh, okay, that wins that. And then... The last one I want to talk about, we, we already talked about the best picture categories. Um, Joaquin Phoenix wins best actor for the Joker. Now the prohibitive favorite to take home the Oscar in the same category. And that would make him the second actor to take home an Oscar for playing that same role. What a world. Two people playing a Batman villain <laughs> win an Academy Award. I should know Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker Far superior to Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker. That's just me. He's not bad in the movie. I actually think he's quite good in the movie. But Joaquin Phoenix is good in a lot of things. And I guess he doesn't have an Oscar yet. So that would be a nice Lifetime Achievement Award for him. I just can't help but think that we are not seizing on the opportunity to give Adam Driver this Oscar. And this happens a lot. Happened with Al Pacino like five times, so we gave him an Oscar for Scent of a Woman. Happened with Leo like five times, so we gave it to him for The Revenant. And Adam Driver just feels like the next guy. He's going to have ten iconic roles. He's going to have a career that is impossible to deny. We're going to look at each other and think, wow, fucking Adam Driver doesn't have an Oscar yet? So when he plays Abraham Lincoln in some Civil War movie... We're going to give him a makeup award for like his 15th best performance, 30 years too late. And we're going to look back at 2019 and think, wow, Adam Driver didn't win for Marriage Story? How is that possible? It's like one of the defining performances in the history of film. We're going to be playing that in film school for years. Theater professors are going to make you study the fight scene 
It's just crazy. It's insane. I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Joaquin Phoenix cackling and shooting Robert De Niro on a talk show is not nearly as difficult as what Adam Driver had to do in Marriage Story. It truly is one of the great performances you'll ever see. And we're going to rob him of it. And we're going to give it to him 30 years too late because that's what we do. That is award shows. That is the name of the game. That is the Oscars. That is the Golden Globes. I am so sick of this already and we haven't even begun. (laughs) Tom Hanks was wonderful though, wasn't he? Tom Hanks was just a delight. And so was Ellen. I thought Kate McKinnon's speech to Ellen at the beginning was very moving. Um, And Tom Hanks crying while on cold medicine. Just a lovely, lovely thing to see. You love to see it. I'm not going to talk about the BAFTA nominations or this, the uh, the Directors Guild nominations or the Writers Guild nominations. You can check those out if you'd like. It, it is the usual suspects up for all the major awards. 1917 shows no signs of slowing down. And Little Women somehow has been left out of the award discussion altogether. Please see that movie if you have not yet. Uh... Take your daughters, take your friends, take your girlfriends, take your parents. It's a, just fun for the whole family. It, it's the type of movie that will work on you if you just enjoy good cinema, regardless of intended audience. I, it is not the type of movie that I thought I would enjoy, and I went into it, and I was absolutely swept away by it. It's just insane that it's not going to be a larger part of this conversation, and that Greta Gerwig is not getting the respect she deserves either. Got to give it to Sam Mendes again, though, man. How can we resist? Shot in a single take. Ah, fuck off. (laughs) Let's take a break. When we come back, more news and analysis from the world of popular culture. It is cultured. Stick around. Um, This next piece of news got me all hot and bothered this week. Uh, (laughs) So I can't wait to dig into it. So let's just do it. Um, I had this thought when I read the headline. And it's the same thought I have when I travel. You ever travel? What a stupid question. (laughs) I'm sure you left your house from time to time. I'm sure you get in a vehicle every now and again. Sure, you've traveled. I'm not talking about that type of travel, though. I'm not talking about a weekend at the coast. I'm talking about a two to three week long trip. Long ass vacation. I hate those types of vacations because as much as I love traveling, as much as I love the outside world, I love my bed a lot more and I can't be away from my bed for more than a week at a time or I get all bothered and shit. And I also don't like the amount of stress that comes along with a two to three week long trip. Can't stand it. And you know this. If you're anything like me, you've experienced this very feeling. You've been planning this thing for months. You've been making flight accommodations and hotel reservations and Airbnb reservations. You have an itinerary. You have a list of all the landmarks you'd like to see in this faraway land. You get your brother to watch the dog while you're gone. You get your cousin to water the plants. You get your neighbor to check the mail. You double check with your boss to make sure someone covers your shift. You have your passport. You have your credit cards, three of them, just in case the first two get declined. 
You shut down the AC. You shut down the furnace. Washing machine is off. Microwave is off. Garage door is shut. Windows are locked. Door is bolted shut. You get in the car. You drive to the airport. You've got enough cash. Everything is under control. And you sit there and you breathe a sigh of relief until you realize the very thing I always realize. My life never goes this good. (laughs) My life never goes according to plan. What the fuck did I forget? And sometimes I did forget something. But most of the time, I didn't. That doesn't change the fact that I panicked because I always operate as though I fucked something up. And it's a good rule to live by, ladies and gentlemen, because we have the capacity to fuck up a lot. That is the very feeling I had this week when reading about the upcoming Bob Dylan biopic directed by James Mangold and starring Timothy Chalamet. This is wonderful news. How are they going to fuck it up? (laughs) This just feels too perfect. This feels too right. Where's the catch? What did we get wrong? What did we forget about? I read this press release and it sounds like it was spoken from God's divine lips. This shit was etched in the fucking Dead Sea Scrolls. What the hell? James Mangold, director of Walk the Line, one of the great music biopics ever, making a story about Bob Dylan, the greatest American musician to ever live, and certainly my favorite musician of all time, starring Timothy Chalamet, our finest young actor. I mean, I hear this casting news, and I just think to myself, Yes, correct, precisely, you know? It's not that I agree with the decision. It's just objectively the right decision. It was fate. It was destiny. It was always meant to be this way. Timothy Chalamet starring as Bob Dylan in a James Mangold biopic that is as true to me as the sky being blue, as the grass being green, as the earth revolving around the sun. I'm not going to give my opinion. There's no opinion to have other than correct. This always felt like fate. This always felt true. You hear the news and you're like, yeah, that's the only movie that could ever be made about Bob Dylan and his electric period. And I don't want to see anything else other than this. And I have no doubt in my mind it will be incredible. And then I think about it more, and I think, what am I missing? Where are they going to fuck this up? How are they going to break my heart? Why? Why, James Mangold, would you do this to me? Why, Timothy Chalamet, would you do this to me? I have never seen a piece of casting that felt more appropriate than this. Timothy Chalamet, the finest young actor in the world, Certainly the best actor under the age of 25. You see him in Call Me By Your Name or Lady Bird or uh, 
beautiful boy or even little women this weekend and you're just instantly enthralled. You cannot take your eyes off this guy. He is a superstar. The second you see him on the screen, you cannot deny how gifted he is at this, how perfect he is for this. He is a movie star, always has been, always will be. And now he's going to play the greatest American music icon ever. A story that I think needs to be told. Um, You know, Dylan has no shortage of scholarship written about him. And there's already been a Bob Dylan movie called I'm Not There, starring six different people, each of which inhabited a different element of Bob Dylan. Uh, And of course, several documentaries have featured him. Martin Scorsese has made two of them. Ronaldo and Clara is a thing (laughs) from 1978. So like, this is nothing new. And Bob Dylan has certainly been honored on the big screen time and time again. But uh, this just feels like it's the definitive story. And I so hope and pray that they get this right. But again, I can't imagine a universe where they don't get this right. It's like imagining a universe where there's no gravity. It's like imagining a universe without time. You know? This just feels like something that was always meant to be. Yes. Absolutely. I'm not going to be able to picture anyone else in this role. And who knows? It feels like, you know, Oscar around the corner for Chalamet. Rami Malek did it with Freddie Mercury. Taron Edgerton just did it with Elton John, took home the Golden Globe. Would have a hard time believing that Chalamet won't do the same with Dylan's story. Oh, I just hope it's good. I just hope it's good. Look, I've had my problems with James Mangold in the past. Uh, I think the guy is the sort of platonic ideal of a studio director, of a hired hand. I think he works very well in the studio system, has not done a lot to prove himself outside the studio system, but that's totally fine. I love guys like this. Steven Spielberg is the ultimate studio guy, is the ultimate hired hand, has elements of artistry, elements of auteurship in all of his movies, but, you know, Indiana Jones is a big budget blockbuster, and James Mangold, you can say the same thing about. Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, Logan, The Wolverine, Copland, all really good Hollywood blockbusters. And I just saw Ford versus Ferrari two nights ago, and that's another one. I have no interest in cars. I would have no interest in this story if it were not directed by James Mangold and did not star Matt Damon and Christian Bale in its leads because this is a movie star movie about how awesome movies can be. So, uh, of course, of course I am in. Going Electric, evidently, is the name of the movie. Working title. Who knows what it'll end up being about. Um, I tweeted out this week a Bob Dylan lyric along with this news. It frightens me the awful truth of how sweet life can be. Um, And I just long for a day where I can get movie news this exciting again. I just (laughs) could not tell you. Grinning ear to ear. Chalamet, Mangold, Dylan. Coming to a theater near you, I have goosebumps just talking about it. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, a lightning round running down some odds and ends in the world of popular culture. Stick around, it's cultured. Y'all watched Jeopardy last night? <laughs> 
<laughs> Apparently 14 million people did. Huge rating for the Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament. James Holtower, Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter return. Seven game series, potentially, to decide who the greatest Jeopardy player of all time is. Really, this is like the Alex Trebek is about to die tournament, isn't it? <laughs> I hate to be crude. I love Alex Trebek, and I will mourn the day that he is no longer on my television set every night. But that's what this is. Like, one last hurrah for Alex. And I am into it. And apparently America is too. Ken Jennings takes home game one of the greatest of all time tournament. The 72-day champion from the early 2000s made headlines as the original great Jeopardy champion. Has returned several times since and has been defeated each time by Brad Rutter, who stands to his right in the greatest of all time tournament. Did not have such a great night last night. Came in a distant third. James Holtower, the recent champion from a year ago, who we all celebrated, owns like the top 15 single day records in Jeopardy history. To Ken's left, comes in second place, just shy of Ken in game one. Alex Trebek said the word bitchin'. There was a clue about orgies. Uh, <laughs> just everything you'd want. Everything you'd want out of Jeopardy. I'm so into this tournament. It is about as good as I could have possibly imagined. The music is epic. The set has been spruced up for the occasion. Looks like Brad uh, did not come to play this year. Unfortunately. We will see. Again, this guy owns the record. Highest earnings in Jeopardy history. And each time he's been back for a tournament, he's won. The only person... I should say the only player that has ever beaten Brad in a game of Jeopardy is IBM Watson, the computer. So never lost to a human opponent, including Ken Jennings. It would be shocking to see him go down without a fight, but it looks like Ken versus James is going to be the story to follow, and it is anybody's game. Ken has the slight advantage, needs two more games to put this tournament away, but James made a push. And if he just lands a couple more daily doubles, he didn't get a single daily double yesterday. Brad took him up and squandered the opportunity. It's going to be hard to beat him. So I can't wait. I can't wait. Night two tonight. Watch Jeopardy. Game shows, baby. They're sick. Uh, I did want to talk about the trailer for Hunters, the upcoming Amazon series produced by Jordan Peele and starring Al Pacino about Nazi hunters. It looks really bad. I I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Like, I love the names attached. And, you know, Amazon has done well with television, has done poorly with some shows, but has stuff like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Transparent on the service. Even Jack Ryan has been pretty good for them. I just am confused why Al Pacino decided on this show for his first television role. I'm really confused by this because Lord knows he's been offered other series in the past. I'm sure HBO has called him. I'm sure AMC has called him. I'm sure Netflix has called him. I just don't understand why this is the role. Maybe I'm totally wrong, uh, but this just looks like campy bullshit to me. And uh, I don't know. It's one of the more confusing trailers I've seen in a while. I don't know what this show is. I don't know if it's prestige television. I don't know if it's campy 
exploitation stuff. I don't know if they're going for the sci-fi audience, the Comedy Central audience, or the FX audience. Maybe somewhere in between. It looks really bad, though, man. And no one else is in it aside from Al Pacino. Confused. Very confused. Poor Al. Going to all these award shows, sitting in the crowd as Brad Pitt wins his Oscar. I, uh, Al! going on al hunters weird uh coachella lineup i don't give a shit obviously not quiet place 2 pretty good trailer for that coming out in a few months i'm sure we'll be talking about that movie in the near distant future oh new year's eve y'all watch the uh new year's eve broadcast you know i say this every year i watch new year's rock and eve from time to time and i was flipping on you know the jonas brothers were on new year's rock and eve I think Paula Abdul did a couple numbers. It was fun to see Paula again. I would have liked to have seen Straight Up. I don't think she performed it this year, though. Um, I saw What's-His-Face, Post Malone, with all his face tattoos in, like, a space suit. I don't know what he was wearing. It was, like, a pink space suit. Post Malone. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. I watched a little bit of New Year's Rock and Eve because I was with some buddies, and we're like, eh, bored so he flipped on cnn and i gotta tell you every year this goes underrated cnn new year's eve is perhaps the television event of the year andy cohen anderson cooper don lemon three gay men getting hammered hitting on each other talking about penises uh What better way to bring in the new year? What better way? I am shocked that CNN lets this happen. It's it's like Vegas. New Year's Eve on CNN, it's like Vegas. What happens there stays there. I know Kathy Griffin a few years ago got into some scandals, but generally speaking, like anything goes and no one says shit. It's like the mafia. We're tight-lipped about it. Yeah, Anderson Cooper talked about the biggest cocks in Hollywood. Eh, we're going to forget that that guy doesn't host an evening news broadcast for a nationally renowned news organization. We're just going to forget. <laughs> we're going to forget the fact that 10 million viewers each day come to CNN looking to get the straight story on world affairs. Because it's New Year's. Let's get sloshed. What a fun time. Man, I, I got to tell you, I saw the cock clip. I saw Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen talking to 50 Cent and talking to Lindsay Lohan. I don't know why Lindsay was on the broadcast, but that was a real special television moment for me. And then Don Lemon comes on at the midnight hour, and he's even more hammered than Anderson Cooper was. He's been doing Jaeger shots all night. <laughs> Dude, I could watch gifts of Anderson Cooper taking Jaeger shots. All my life, and I would never get bored. What a broadcast. <laughs> Highly recommend, man. Next year, if Ryan Seacrest and Jenny McCarthy, whoever that bitch was on the ABC broadcast, if they're not doing it for you, flip on CNN. Routinely the best New Year's show of the year, and it's not even close. 
<laughs> and finally, you know, this is another rant I do every year, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just a one-trick pony that way. I don't have many tools in the tool chest, if you know what I'm saying, man. Um, Obama does his favorite movies of the year list every year. You know this thing. Um, and I think he does a book list as well and a television list. The television list is not nearly as long as the other two. I'm just going to read for you Obama's favorite movies of 2019 list. And I want you to see if you notice anything. American Factory, Amazing Grace, Apollo 11, Ash is Purest White, Atlantics, Birds of Passage, Book Smart, Diane, The Farewell, Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Just Mercy, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Little Women, Marriage Story, Parasite, The Souvenir, Transit. Over Under is five and a half. Over Under is five and a half. Movies on this list Barack Obama has actually seen. One of these movies he produced, American Factory. I'll give him that one. And I'll also give him The Irishman. And I'll give him Marriage Story. In fact, I'll give him Ford versus Ferrari. But if this dude watched Ash's Purest White, I'm a monkey's fucking uncle. <laughs> I hate to break it to y'all. Barack Obama has not seen Diane. Barack Obama has not seen Birds of Passage. Barack Obama has not seen Transit or Atlantics or even Parasite. Please. Why are we buying this? Why are we pretending like an intern didn't do a Google search for best movies of the year and throw this thing together in 15 minutes? Like, if Barack Obama is spending this much time watching award screeners, if Barack Obama is spending this much time, if he is such a cinephile that he's watching the foreign film Ash is Purest White on a Tuesday evening, this dude should have a film blog. This dude should have multiple movie podcasts. This dude, at the very least, should have a letterboxed account. You know? Why is it all year? I don't hear a word about what Obama's watching. I don't get so much as a tweet praising the souvenir, praising the farewell. Like, I I haven't heard Barack Obama on the A24 movie podcast. Yet, on December 31st, on the dot, We suddenly buy the fact that he's been keeping up with every major motion picture release and some movies that haven't even seen mainstream cinemas yet. Diane, get the fuck out of here, Barack. Stop it. Not only that, not only has he seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco, not only has he seen Just Mercy, despite not seeing a wide release until this weekend. He's had time to binge watch unbelievable Watchmen and Fleabag season two, all shows that made his best of television list. I host three movie podcasts a week, people. It is very difficult to find a movie 
that slips outside my radar. I follow the Oscars. I follow every major release. I review them on my website, TooManyThoughtsMedia.com or TMT.media for short. And I'm attempting to make a living watching movies, discussing movies, writing about movies, thinking about movies, and becoming a tastemaker for others to enjoy the movies that I like. I've only seen eight of Barack Obama's favorite movies of the year. Eight out of 18. I assure you, Barack Obama has better things to do than me. Barack Obama has a busier schedule. Barack Obama is doing other shit. I've seen eight of these movies. I hope to see all of them. I probably won't. Because again, who the fuck has time for Atlantics? Who the fuck has time for Diane? I'm sorry. This does, this does not pass the taste test. I'm sorry. He's lying. Barack Obama is lying to you. Hate to break it to you, people. Because <laughs> I know this man has never done that before. Beyond reproach. If I could point to one objective falsehood that Barack Obama has shared with the American people, it's this list of favorite movies of 2019. Get the hell out of here with this shit. Please. (laughs) Oh, he has not seen Birds of Passage. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) This is cultured. Thanks so much for being here. Um, I appreciate you, as always. I love you so very, very much. Follow me on Twitter, at FunnyNicoTweets. Engage with me. I'm always on there. Always ready to get into it. Talking pop culture, sports, whatever you want to talk about. I'm available. Hit me up at FunnyNicoTweets. Website, as always, TMT.media, TooManyThoughtsMedia.com. Here's what's on the website. Adam and I did our 2019 in-review podcast on the Movie Hall of Fame counting down our top 10 lists of the year. My 10 favorite movies, his 10 favorite movies. We got into it a bit. Check that out if you are so inclined. Nostalgia Plus, a new podcast from the Fantasy Book of the Month, guys. Nick and his pals on the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast uh, have started a new show, and it is an exploration of the Disney Plus platform, Each episode, one of the hosts brings up a movie or television show they enjoyed as a kid. They rewatch it along with their co-hosts and have a fruitful discussion. I think for now, they're only doing Disney stuff. I'm not sure if they're going to evolve past that in the future. First episode covers Gargoyles, the Disney series. The first three episodes of Gargoyles, The Awakening. Nostalgia Plus, that's the name of the podcast. Go check it out if you are so inclined as well. Two Cents Radio, Nick, Rob, and I continue to do podcasts on there. Why is this a thing? We took a week off. Uh, Some personal shit happened in Adam's life this week, so we uh, had to miss. But next week, our 200th episode spectacular will finally be happening. So be on the lookout for that. For the time being, though, the Wittaddies is available, uh, our annual award show on Why Is This a Thing. Listen to that on the website. And uh, the Nico show, I promise I'm going to do it this week. 
There, I said it. Yeah, I've taken three months off. So what? Sue me. It's my podcast. (laughs) All right, that's it. I love you so very, very much. And I do hope that you return because you know what happens then. You and I, we get together because we're friends. And we get culture! See you!